Welcome to the Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of the Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Gun IQ software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Welcome, everybody, to this Accounting Thought Leader panel. My name is Jackie Meyer. I'm the CEO and founder of a SaaS software called Taxman IQ. I'm also a speaker and coach for our lovely accounting industry or profession, whatever you want to call it. Don't judge me. I know some people get really upset about one word or the other, but there have been some substantial gains in artificial intelligence, specifically around chat GPT, Bing's model, et cetera this year in 2023 that greatly impact the accounting profession. And I wanted to start with catching everybody up. So what has made this such a pressing and important topic right in the middle or the end or wherever you're at in your busy season? Uh, Jason, actually, who's on our panel today, shared a, a contact that I've been following on Twitter called Rob Lennon. He's kind of a marketing genius AI guy. And he said that AI... ChatGPT is really AI's iPhone moment and an inflection point that changes the trajectory of how we live and work. And I really feel like we're finally at that point. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for AI to get to this point where it is going to just like compound and compound and compound and be able to do so many things very, very soon. Now, around the March 15th deadline, GPT-4, which is their latest model, prepped a tax return. And Jason has a great article about that in YouTube videos. So I recommend checking that out. I can pop it in the chat if we need to as well. But there were some nuances to it. I mean, it, it calculated it correct. It was based on 2019 data though, because it's not trained past September 2021 data. So it's not like it's going to be able to do tax projections for you tomorrow. And it couldn't actually push to a real tax prep software. And then we have government leaders, we have uh, corporate officials, Elon Musk pushing for its possible public extinction or pause of development. So that combined with all of the amazing fun I've personally been having with GPT-4 sparked me to ask other thought leaders in the profession to come together, discuss where it's at, and talk about kind of the timeline of what to expect in our industry. So I want to introduce you all to the panelists that I've gotten to know really well over the years, and I highly respect each and every one of them. Uh, we did do a session on Friday, and we can send out the recording to that, and then we'll get you the one for today as well. But I'm going to go around the circle here, have you each do a quick intro, and give me a state of AI in about three minutes, okay? So Rob, let's start with you. Wow. Straight in. Hi, I'm Rob Brown. I'm the one with the English accent. I'm based in Nottingham, home of Robin Hood. He lives just a few doors down from me. I run a group called Accounting Influencers, and we're thrilled to have Jackie Meyer as a member because she truly is an influencer. And I also host a podcast called Accounting Influencers, which goes out to 30,000 CPAs and professionals in 150 countries. Jason was proud to have him on as a guest just recently talking about this very topic. It's really his sweet spot. In full disclosure, I am not a, an accountant. I'm a former high school math teacher. So I'm good with the numbers. I'm part qualified as an accountant. And I've been teaching accountants for the last 20 years or so to sell themselves. My magnum opus is this book, Build Your Reputation. And I'm always fascinated why some accountants get chosen and some don't. So whilst I'm not an accountant, I interview people for a living. So I, Jackie, we've had you on our show as well. It's just interesting getting the opinions of people as to how things are changing. And AI, I love that phrase, an iPhone moment. The iPhone came out in 2008. It was the year Barack Obama became the 44th president of the US. It was the year of the financial crisis. It was the year in which things turned upside down. And AI feels like that kind of a time. 
So I'm fascinated, not so much by the accounting implications for AI, although we'll talk about that today, but my heart is in talent and people. And I'm really interested in how it's going to change the accounting qualifications, the accounting profession as a whole and its perception and the whole talent dynamic that is going on right now. We know that there's a shortage of people in accounting and AI will have its say in that. So interesting times. And I guess the final thing to pull it together, Jackie, is how agile are accountants? You look at the people in the room right now, you're all accountants and you're very agile. You're on the bleeding edge. Jason's over the edge of the bleeding edge. But accountants are not known for their agility. Yes, they cope pretty well, but in terms of being agile with the pandemic and everything else, they're laggards. They really are. They're averse to risk. So it's interesting how this is going to play out for the accounting world. Is that about three minutes? That sounds good. Thank you, Rob. Really appreciate you. Um, Chris, how about you? Very good. Thanks, Jackie. <clears throat> so my name is Chris Hervishan. Uh, I run a virtual CVA firm. I'm based in South Carolina. We've got clients and employees and team members all across the U.S. and across the world, actually. And we specialize in virtual CFO services. So as far as a state of AI, we are testing it, I think is probably the, the appropriate term. So basically where we are is just, and it's been tax season, so that's part of it, but ideation and thinking about how are the ways that we can potentially leverage us in the future and what are the things that we need to be thinking about now in order to leverage this further. So going back to Jason, one of the things he said on Twitter, I don't know, a month or two ago was context. And that's the key word. And that's the operative word that we use in our firm. How can we be really, really intentional about building context so that when AI and things like GPT are production ready, shall we say, so we can put them into production, we can use them in a meaningful way to deliver better client service, to automate what we do, to make what we do easier, to make it uh, less burdensome on the hiring process and the recruiting process. But having all of that context in the firm and building it in a strategic way and an intentional way so that we can leverage all of the context across platforms and really get the benefit out of, out of AI. I think where we are right now is it's very mainstream and it's gotten the attention of a lot of people and a lot of people are paying attention and thinking about it and thinking about uh, ways that we can leverage this. But I don't think that we're yet at a place where we can leverage it in a meaningful way. I think that that's coming. And I think it's very, very clear that it, it is that iPhone moment, right? I mean, when the iPhone came out, you only had like a handful of apps, right? Now you've got your entire world in your pocket. And it, it does feel like that's sort of a moment, but it doesn't feel like it's quite yet production ready. And it feels like uh, we need to be in a place where we are preparing for that. For sure. Okay. And then also you host a podcast, if you want to give that a little plug. I do. Uh, I appreciate that. So I host a podcast with Jeremy Wells called the CPA Advisory Show. We are almost a year in, so we're getting ready to celebrate our year anniversary in about a month or so. And uh, podcast is growing and it's been a lot of fun so far. And you've been a guest, Jackie, which we so appreciate. Yeah, that was super fun. Okay. Thanks, Chris. All right, let's do Patrice. Good morning, and thank you for having me, Jackie. My name is Patrice Floyd. I own Malay Management Group, which is a financial advisory and consulting firm that offers fractional CFO services as well as tax planning strategy and preparation. I'm located outside of Dallas, Texas, and I am in a similar boat to Chris as far as the AI goes. So I am testing. I've been trying to leverage it to do things like create frequently asked questions uh, to kind of expedite some of the process as far as onboarding clients, but I have not gotten the feeling quite yet that it's 100% accurate one, um, because some of the tests that I've actually done have given me information that wasn't exactly what I was looking for. So I think it also goes back to that context piece of it. So I'm excited about it, but honestly, I'm excited to see what it can do, how I can continue to leverage it and how I can um, automate my business as well as continue to educate and empower other people without having to necessarily be in a space where I'm with them one-on-one. So if I can automate it, if I can create things like resources, um, lead magnets, et cetera, then that's what I'm going to continue to leverage it for. I've heard that people have tried to create tax returns uh, with it. That's not a place where I'm comfortable hanging out in, (laughs) but I think it would be cool uh, to see if that was something that happens in the future. I do know that a lot of people are kind of scared as far as 
that piece of it because they think that their jobs will become obsolete. But I do not think that AI can completely take over that piece. They can't, you know, go into the return, do all of the discovery and the analysis and to create, you know, some of the end product. So I'm not worried about it, but that is kind of where I am right now with AI and chat to Okay, perfect. And then Patrice is a part of uh, our tax planning masterclass program and a coaching student. And so um, you're definitely more on the like tax advisory side of things and a lot of accountants. So I'll appreciate your perspective from that. Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, oh boy, where are we at? Oh, I guess myself, Jason Stats. Oh boy, I do a lot of things. Um, well, your daily show is your newest b- baby, right? Let's just say that I run a daily show for accountants called Jason Daily. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and I've run firms and just done far too much. But state of AI, uh, oh boy, I think you've got two things happening. You've got just the like unbelievable mainstream news cycle, which is bigger than any of us. And it's a huge wave. And it's not like without good reason. And so we're all subject to that. And maybe the bigger thing is that all of our clients are subject to that. Uh, And so we are kind of up against this thing that is much bigger than any of us, just from a perception standpoint, regardless of what reality is. And then on the other hand, we've got this like huge paradigm shift where um, software, I think on the other side of AI is fundamentally different, similar to going from desktop to cloud, You've got companies who will come of age in kind of the new AI paradigm of of software development. Bill Gates was talking a couple of weeks back about how software is going to trend more towards chat and voice experiences. Like, like we will look back on the user interfaces we have today and like they will look kind of silly, I think, because now we're able to do so much more semantically just with natural language. So it's an interesting time. It's really hard to know how to buy software right now. Like, like when there's things that are changing and it's just kind of a totally different paradigm for change management and software development. For sure. Okay. Yeah. And Jason is actually my mentor through the AICPA accelerator program that tax Plan IQ is in. So I'm very thankful to have his thoughts and daily input on Twitter about <laughs> the state of AI. All right, so we're gonna start with uh, a fun question because I don't want this to be boring. I mean, who wants a boring panel, right? So I'm going for a she trend with ChatGPT and I pulled tax Twitter and LinkedIn and stuff and everyone's kind of on the fence. Like it's always an it, maybe a he. I think a she would be awesome. And it doesn't, it doesn't care. Okay. So GPT itself told me I don't care what I am because I am not a person or human being. So you can call me whatever you want. So what are your thoughts, Rob? Are you going to go for he, she, it? What do you think? I am a committed Christian. So I, but I don't feel it's heretical to say that chat GPT is God insofar as <laughs> all omnipotent, all which means all powerful, all omniscient, which means all knowing. Uh, uh-huh. all omnipresent, which means everywhere. And you can't put a agenda to that one at all if you are That's in and around everything. So uh, chat GPT and AI is going to hold everything together, just like God holds the universe in the palm of his hand. So <laughs> hopefully I won't get struck down by lightning with that one, Jackie. All right. No, I like that. That is a great view. And God actually is kind of actually gender neutral. And so that's a whole nother topic in my doctorate program that I do. Chris, what about you? Yeah, I don't know how to follow that. So yeah, yeah good luck following that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> what's that all about? I'm just going to go with it. How about that? Cool, cool. Patrice? I also say it, but when I do my my playing on it, I speak from a feminine tone. So maybe it is a she. <laughs> it's an it with yeah. a she voice. Yeah, I mean, I'm constantly, it will change the tone for you if you want a more feminine tone or not. And it does that very, very well. Um, And you can tell the difference when you're reading people's writing on social, like you can tell by the writing, typically it's masculine or feminine. And so it's interesting how that all comes together, right? But Jackie, that's the point. You can give it a persona, can't you? So particularly with ChatGPT, you can say you are an exotic dancer. You are a female (laughs) CPA. You are... uh, 
an entrepreneurial startup based in Wisconsin, age 24, who's bisexual. You can give it all kinds of personas and it will write with that tone. That is true. Okay, Jason, what about you? Where do you stand on this important issue? I I just think it's really funny how we like, you know, anthropomorphizing AI as like, it's really helpful in some ways, but then it's a blocker in other ways. Like, thinking about how to use it, like, oh, what if it's an intern? Like, think about like, well, what were the tasks I would give an intern? Maybe I can, maybe it can help me with that. In that regard, I think it's helpful. But it is funny how it's just like, at the end of the day, it doesn't care. I probably just say it, because it just, that's, it feels like a, I try to keep telling myself it's a thing that mm-hmm. I can just like, I don't have to think about, like the way you would communicate with a human person, like a staff person, very different than like how you'd communicate with this. But they trained it to communicate with us as if it is and has a human nature because it literally apologizes to us if, you know, it's apologized about suggesting too many men when I wanted some female recommendations or something like that. So yeah, it's definitely really interesting. Okay. So I was definitely really impressed going more into like what it can pretend to do or, or how accurate or inaccurate it is. It can do uh, an article like Oprah. It can pull quotes and citations from not well-known books for my doctorate program. I was like shocked that it that it knew had this information in its database. Uh, it can essentially summarize things that I'm thinking faster than I can. I asked it to make our mission statement at Tax Plan IQ a little more emotionally charged because I was feeling drained one day. And it did a great job of adding some more like emotional feeling into a mission statement than I even could. And it doesn't have a mood where it's going to have a good day or a bad day. It just kind of works. So what are y'all's thoughts on, you know, the, the accuracy of it, but also like interesting ways you've maybe been able to use it within those areas? You're coming to me every time, so I'm getting the answers in first. Hopefully, I'll steal them all away from Chris, Jason, and Patrice so that they'll have nothing left. (laughs) Well, on the back of me saying chat, GPT, and AI is omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, it's certainly not not infallible. We know that. But neither are humans. We all make mistakes. We know it's going to get more accurate as the wealth of data that it amasses, collects, and it teaches itself. It's iterative like that. So it is intelligent. So it does have limitations. I'll give you a quick three, which we'll all be aware of, but there is some outdated information. We know that it only goes back so far. And if you asked it to go at the information from the last 12 months, there's more data created in the last 12 months than there was in the 12 years before that. That's the rate at which we're going. So it's never going to be bang up to date. So it's outdated. We know that it's at the mercy of your input. Artificial intelligence works with the the input you give it. So if it's vague or you're ambiguous, you're going to have problems there with what it comes out with. And then, and this is the hope for accountants, it doesn't deal well, unless it's just masses of data, with complex technical or specialized topics. This is the hope. And I'm sure we'll touch on this, Jackie, with the advisory, the consulting, the strategic side of what accountants do. That is the glimmer of hope, I feel. Otherwise, the robots will take over. Yeah. Okay. Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, mixed. So back when it was still GPT-3, I did a YouTube video where I basically walked through a, I created a make scenario to automate like the analysis of a GPO file. And the first iteration was give me the gross margin based on this data set. And it gave me something that was just, that makes sense. And that was like, okay, well, if you're going to calculate gross margin based on this minus this, now give it to me. And it was within like a rounding error. So that's fine. That's cool. Um, so that's that's one instance where we've tried it. And then I also had this like harebrained idea where if like maybe we can automate bookkeeping by shoving all of the bank fee transactions into one particular account and then just feed the bank descriptions to GPT and just say, hey, give me a vendor or like given this chart of accounts, give me an account. Like that was mixed and it was honestly an epic fail. And like a really great example, I use my own firm data and I have several different kinds of transactions that get processed through into it. Like I've got QuickBooks subscriptions and I've got ProConnect tax and I've got um, 
like the DocuSign requests that go through Broken Egg Tax and those sorts of things. So I had this like small data set, fed it that, and the results I got back were mixed. So fine, whatever. The most interesting um, thing that I've used it for so far is they built it into Fireflies and we use Fireflies for all of our meetings and we have for a year. So one of my big pain points in running a podcast is Jeremy put me in charge of posting these things and putting the descriptions out there. And I hate doing it because then I got to go listen back to the episode. I hate to listen to myself. It takes me an hour. It's tax season. Hate that. So it's built into Fireflies now. We use Fireflies. I just send the audio to Fireflies and say, hey, Fred, which is GPT, give me a, this is a podcast about whatever. This is our audience. Give me a show description and go through that like iterative process. Give me the five main points of the show. And it does a really, really good job of that. So it saves me a whole bunch of time. That's great. I used it for a blog post, like, hey, make this more readable. Take the flesh reading score and take it from whatever it was, 50 to 60. Super useful. Really good at those sorts of things. But when it gets down to like the nuts and bolts accounting stuff that we've tried it with, uh, which I'm very, very hopeful for in the future, not so much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about kind of the future and how soon it's coming in the next question. Patrice, what are your thoughts? So I also have mixed thoughts. So again, most of my work has been done to create artifacts and things that are helpful for people to leverage. So I don't necessarily have to be a one-on-one with them, but I, it's not quite time for them to necessarily be onboarded, if that makes sense. So that's what I've used it for. Um, obviously, there are limitations with the characters. I have found a couple of workarounds with that. So um, identifying, you know, that it needs to continue going or, you know, provide additional feedback. I've also tried to work on really getting descriptive with the prompts so studying how other people are leveraging the prompts too to get the information that they need so that's still a work in progress for me but I found that it's been pretty good again there are those limitations it's not necessarily always accurate it does pull some information that's a little uh, stale but I think it's it's a great tool and I'm, I'm hopeful that it's going to continue to um, increase and be enhanced so that when it is time to do some of those more complex types of plans or you know tasks that we will be able to actually use it in the future. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And Jason, I'm sure you have, I mean, you've done a lot of testing with it. Give us like the synopsis or elevator, you know, summary of that. Well, it's tricky because it's like this rolling incremental way of like developing technology, which we're just not used to. We're used to our apps having a release cycle and they give you a new release and here's all the bullet points of what it will do now. Mm-hmm. That's just not how language models work. So like there's so much, there's, we almost need like this testing body who can tell us what it will do reliably and what it won't do reliably because to Patrice's point, like one person's prompt engineering ability will maybe get the correct result and another person's won't. Um, so it's, it is really tricky because it's always changing. Like 3.5 got an update that overnight made good at math. When in the past it was helpless at math. So like, just like how you build around that's tricky. Um, stuff that I love, like just kind of off the top of the head, creative stuff. It's fantastic at we as accountants like that. It's not something that we hold our hat. Like we're just not good at that stuff. So it is helpful for that. I've used it for like improving on YouTube titles, stuff like that. Um, reframing kind of dodgy client emails where maybe you don't quite have the tone that you want to have with it and getting help with that on the more technical end of the spectrum. Um, I use it to create CSV, like transaction downloads from bank statements. Um, I use it for checking a list of like bank statement transaction descriptions that are unclear. I don't know what that's from. Um, I will have it give me additional context, like find the company's website, stuff like that to save me from Googling a bunch of different things. Um, It's also really good at creating useful fake stuff. So like generating a fake bank feed that we can use for training or testing purposes or generating a set of fake uh, tax source documents to mm-hmm. like use for testing with staff and and that sort of thing. Like it's, it, um, yeah, the, like the more deterministic stuff, like a tax return, like that is like the holy grail, right? Where it, there's so many things that go into that from follow-up questions to th- like the information that you got in and it's completeness and all that. Um, the deterministic stuff like that is really hard. That's always going to be the hardest thing for it. But the stuff where that's less important, the stuff where you have a review framework, I mean, you don't give something to an intern and then ship that off, right? right. So like that's that's the stuff that's probably best suited. 
Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of leads us into our next question. Is AI taking accountants jobs or is it going to take a particular role? Do, is it even more important? We've been harping on how much we need advisory over the past, you know, billion years, right? Turning more accountants into advisors. Um, Rob, what, where do you stand on that? It's definitely going to help in a way. We know that there are less accountants coming into the accounting profession now than ever before. We know there are less people taking accounting degrees. We know there's a massive leech out of accounting into industry and commerce and fintech and everything else. We know that the average age of partners is coming down, but there's a lot of accountants retiring, dying, moving on. So we've got this black hole in a way. What are we going to fill that with? We can't fill it with accountants, chartered or CPAs, whatever you call it. So there's all these new roles coming up. So will it take over some roles? Yes. But if you think of uh, data scientists, AI developers, these are going to be working alongside accountants, AI auditors, AI analysts, AI implementation specialists, AI ethicists, AI risk managers, AI developers, and all of these people, AI consultants and trainers. Because when you ask an accountant on a job interview, not just what have you done, but Give me an example of a prompt that you might use for X in chat GPT. That's what accountants are going to get asked. So they're going to have to use it just like any tool, any tech. But you're right. The, the big play for accountants and where they're going to add massive value to clients is what AI can't do. And the quicker we realize that and play in that space, the more advantage there's going to be for accountants to maintain relevance and yeah. competitiveness and not freeze out chat GPT and everything else, but use it for the things that only it can do. Right. Yeah, what it can't do as of today, which can be totally different from what it can do tomorrow, right? Good point, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be something in the next like three to five years where we see a pretty substantial shift of the compliance work, like audit compliance, tax compliance, you know, into the, the more of the AI system, but you know, what's, what's the point of humanity if, if we're not needed for anything, right? I mean, people want to have advice. They want to have complex thought processes and, and that's what we're hopefully going to stay good at. Chris, what are your thoughts? I don't know that it's necessarily going to make us more advisory. I just think it's going to change the, the job when I don't know that I'm smart enough to figure out exactly what that's going to be. Okay. Like, do I think that it's going to automate all of the emails and stuff that I send to my clients? I don't know, maybe, but I mean, clients don't read long emails as it is. <laughs> so are they going to read long AI generated emails? Probably not. And to your point, I mean, we're humans. At the end of the day, we are social beings. We've been that way for millions, if not billions of years, and we're going to continue to be that way. And so there's always going to need to be some sort of a social interaction, number one. And then number two, in order for things to be super, super helpful in the AI realm, you have to have a ton of context and you have to be able to process that context across apps, across your firm, across clients, across everything in order for it to be most useful. Mm -hmm. And there's a security component to that. So yeah, we can leverage it and we need to work alongside of it, but I'm not in the boat that says, oh yeah, it's just going to replace all the accounts. I just don't think that that's a thing. I think that's overly hyperbolic and overly ambitious. I just think it's going to change the way that we do things and the way that we um, automate and communicate and things like that um, in a meaningful way. I just, it's just not going to, I don't think it's going to take us the whole way there. And I just add Jackie real quick. That's a great uh -huh. point, Chris. It, it's like Excel. It's a great tool, yeah. but we've got to mm -hmm. stay in front of its capabilities. If we do that, it will serve us. But if we allow it to do what it wants to do, we will be taken over. And the value accountants offer is going to correlate to how quickly they adapt to this new tools and the tech that it's all embracing. So it, it's still in the balance. Sorry, Chris. Totally agree. Awesome. Okay. Patrice, what are your thoughts on taking kind of taking over roles or complete jobs or what's going to happen? So I'm in agreement with both Rob and Chris. I don't believe that it's going to completely take over everything because again, a lot of, well, this is for my personal experience. A lot of the clients that I have are my clients because it was a personal connection. And I don't believe that chat GPT or any other kind of AI is going to be able to take over that piece of it. Um, I also think that maybe the sales piece, so having those other kind of sales conversations, et cetera, that's not something that I foresee that taking over, maybe helping to, you know, come up with scripts or with other types of 
you know, tools or resources that we can leverage to make our jobs better, easier, faster, more efficient, et cetera. But I don't foresee it completely taking over everything, at least not quite yet. Yeah. But pricing is going to have to substantially change in our industry or profession if the the time-based system is what we're basing the work on. Because if GPT-4 or 10 or whatever is doing all that work, there's substantially less time involved for that accountant. And so I think it will be important for us to move more towards the value pricing model for sure. Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't have too much to add there. I I do think, uh, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, we're all guessing, right? Um, So like it's, it's kind of an unknown. So I think the, the helpful thing for me is what about AI should change my day to day and how I ensure I'm on the right side of that. Right. So like if, if we don't know exactly what's going to happen and that's stuff is dictated by this new thing that comes out tomorrow that we, we hadn't anticipated, um, then like, what is the better framework to go through, you know, your days educating yourself and stuff like that. Is it is it the annual conference that you used to go to where you got your continuing ed? Probably not. That's probably like not high resolution enough to ensure that you're being educated on all the stuff that's happening. So yeah, it's it's hard to say. A, a helpful framework for me that's a more granular version of the same discussion is not uh, whether, not like what is the shelf life of an accountant, but what is the shelf life of any given task? Because at the end of the day, everything that we do today at some point will go away one way or another. And if accountants are replaced, it's because all of the tasks somehow got automated overnight, which probably isn't realistic. So like the more, the more nuts and bolts version of that for me is like of the tasks that we do, like what are the ones that are best suited for this? In my opinion, it can't come soon enough. Like we need help, you know, to Rob's point, like there's, there's a dwindling number of accountants so and for me, it's more about like, how does this change how I educate myself and ensure that I'm always on top of what's relevant? Yeah, for sure. It's staying okay. ahead of it, isn't it, Chris? It's, sorry, Jason, it's staying ahead of it so that it serves you rather than you serve it. You don't want to be behind the curve. Yes. So it, it, it doesn't mean that you won't change. You just don't want to be displaced by the change or surprised by the change. Uh, and right. I, as if you're plugged into the the stuff that's, putting all of this through the lens of what you do and how you work, I, I don't see a risk of that. But a big problem staying ahead of the curve is where's your bandwidth for that? Accountants are already super, super busy. So you now ask them to put aside the technical professional development to build the skills they need in technology, as well as the technical, technical as well as the selling skills, as well as the people skills and the leadership skills. And all of a sudden, boom, busy tax season gets twice as busy. So that might be a question for you, Jackie. Will accountants take on the extra upskilling they need to take advantage of AI? I would say no, but that's why there's a demand for a Jason Stats daily show. So, <laughs> I mean, somebody mentioned it to me the other day. I haven't watched the show yet, but they were saying it was really great. But they can't imagine how you're going to come up with content every day, like about accounting. And I was like, well, I mean, as long as AI is involved, I think it could continue forever or indefinitely. Um, so I think maybe there's more leaning on those intermediaries, kind of like what we were talking about earlier with having people that are doing constant testing, constant interpretation, updating their audiences as to what it can and can't do, and just trying to stay on top of it that way. Any other thoughts on that? I would just add to that a little bit that we were told years ago, like blockchain is going to revolutionize accounting and it's going to make it go away. And RPA is going to revolutionize accounting and it's going to make it go away. And we've been having the same conversations like, okay, yeah, but you still have to go learn it. You still have to figure out how to leverage it. And accountants are slow to do that and yada, yada, yada. What's interesting this time around is that it seems to be more mainstream. There seems to be more accountants who are more excited about it. So that's part of it. And then the other part of it too, is that it's way more approachable because you're interfacing with it the same way that you interface interface with friends, family, Google, yeah. all of that stuff. So it's it's much more approachable. It's, it's much more easy to think about how to leverage it. And if you don't know how to leverage it, you can just ask it, how do I leverage you? And it'll right. give you instructions. <laughs> like it'll you tell, tell you. me, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Right. right? Yeah. And That's a brilliant point, Chris. There's such a low barrier to entry with something like ChatGPT that everyone can get something out of it. For now, there's a low barrier to entry. I'm worried. Like, I kind of feel like conspiracy theory, like 
you know, th some of the, the big AI players that I've seen come out in the past several years that I was excited about using publicly got gobbled up by Amex or a huge corporation here. And so they take it like away from us. And so I'm hoping that that's not the case with, you know, GPT. Does anyone have any insight on that? Feels like a great Jason question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't like, um, you know, open AI fundamentally, their customer is historically has been developers until they launched GPT plus, you know, a month or two ago. And so I like the vast majority of their revenue is a, a whole ton of companies have built on top of their API. Um, and that makes it exceptionally unlikely that, you know, with that comes things like version control where they're working with a specific version of the model and open AI promises that won't change. And so mm -hmm. like that, that is kind of exceptionally unlikely. Um, the Microsoft partnership is interesting. Um, and it kind of, it kind of puts open AI in a camp to a degree. So, so where you're not going to be seeing, you know, Google leveraging that stuff you would imagine, but Google's also training their own models on the output of open AI's models. So like it's, it's, it's big enough now to where it's not like a product company that's going to get gobbled up. I don't like, think. you don't think it can get monopolized at this point. Well, I mean, there's a whole other thought of, AI models in the next three or four years getting to this tipping point where the cost and energy that goes into creating them creates this huge moat. And that's probably a whole nother conversation. But AI, AI itself can absolutely be monopolized because of the really quickly compounding value of having the best model and being able to feed that back into uh, being able to burn more money on on development and the energy consumption and everything go that goes into that more powerful model, there is a risk of if that really can you know upend parts of the economy and that becomes a an outrageously profitable business overnight, there is a risk of like a model become becoming monopolistic. Yeah, that's that's what scares me. I think the most. Okay, so kind of in summary so far, GPT is a great, you know, marketer, communicator, editor, not so great, like maybe specifically tax advisory. Compliance wise, it's great. I mean, I talked to it about like kind of exchanges. It told me whether I qualified for one or not based on the dates I put in, but it didn't know about qualified opportunity zones or any other tax geeks out there like that that's post 2021 data and so it was giving me inaccurate information about uh, tax savings that it said I could get that I actually can't anymore so complex analysis I think is definitely where our strengths will lie and then I had a note that it's also slow at math but I just found out from Jason that that's been fixed so um you know we'll x that one off I actually, the first week that I started working with GPT-4, I saved about 30 hours probably of writing work. And it was really, really amazing what it could do. Uh, at Taxman IQ, we're trying to figure out the kind of ethical way to utilize it or not utilize it, how to route people to it, how much information it could get from our systems, not giving it internal access to our data. Uh, some other apps are allowing users to create checklists from GPT and things like that. So I wanted to kind of open the discussion around what integrations you're seeing. Well, if we know about them, right? Because there's probably a lot that we don't even know are happening behind the scenes. What integrations are you seeing that you're excited about? Uh, or what would you like to see come out in the future? So Rob, let's start with you again. The others will speak to the accounting integrations, but I'm fascinated by what it is doing in taking over personal brand. Hmm. So some of the most influential people on TikTok and Insta and other people like that, yeah, they're personalities, but a lot of them are just avatars now. You can clone your voice. You can clone your persona. And the way it's taking over voice and facial, you can get apps now that will make you look like a supermodel in live time, you've all seen this. So how it's changing us as people, let alone all the technical and technological integrations. And we're already in a celebrity culture, aren't we, where everybody's trying to look good and we're all comparing ourselves to the, the best lives of the celebrities out there. But literally, it allows anybody to be anybody in any time. So that's going to be good, but it's also going to be, that's going to be crazy what that will bring out. It's 
it's this unknown that leads to a lot of misuse and abuse, but almost like, like the crazy people at the circus, you know, the freak shows. I'm just, I'm fascinated by what's going to come out. What's going to be next? What are people going to create using it? I'm putting accountants to one side at the moment. I'm talking about the world at large. So it is bizarrely fascinating. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by the voice and the visual capabilities of it, Jackie. Yeah, but it's also like we we mentioned earlier that we want that social connection, we want that human connection. But if we're if we're moved so much into a virtual reality world where we look ten times better, we sound ten times better, whatever. When are you really going to want to physically interact with anybody? You might pinhole yourself into this virtual world that you don't want to come back out of. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot to think about, isn't it? Well, accountants are really camera averse as a generate as as a species, yeah. aren't they? And and I do a lot of work with accounting firms to interview the people to talk about their employer brand and why their firm is a great place to work and getting them to talk about the culture. But you ask a, a, the average accountant to turn the camera on and do a video or do a piece of content or something else like that, and they'll freak most of them. So right. this is an avenue for them to create content and share their expertise where they're not actually on camera. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's kind of a positive or exciting component of it for sure. Uh, Chris, what about you? What integrations are you seeing coming out or would you like to see? Uh, the one that I've been leveraging has been Fireflies. So looking across mm -hmm. meeting transcripts, that that's great. What I would really like to see is something to go from either a form or a tax organizer into the tax software because... That's the pain point in my world, right? Uh, yeah. And that's that's kind of how we automate the tax return, in my view, anyway. Um, but you know, apart from that, I want to live in a world where the AI goes easily across platforms and across timelines. So, in other words, I ask it, "Hey, what is this particular customer concerned about?" And it can take the conversations that we've had over Zoom that are transcribed over the last twelve months. And it can take all of the emails that we've had and it can take all of the different files that are sitting in, you know, wherever Dropbox or whatever. And it can tell me like, these are the things that are important right now. These are the things that this customer is thinking about. So I can pick up a, I can pick up a conversation or pick up a customer file and know exactly what's going on in a very short period of time. Right now I've got to go back and I've got to watch zoom calls that are an hour and I've got to look at the transcripts and then I've got to go back through the emails and that whole thing. So being able to like, like I said in the beginning, but being able to look across platforms, um, across data sets, having all of that context and being able to process that context in a meaningful way, uh, that's kind of the holy grail for me. I love that. You know, yeah, like predictive analytics, compile all this crap that's going to take me hours in like two seconds, right? So mm -hmm. that's Understand awesome. the customer. Yeah, understand the customer's needs. Very cool. Patrice? So I went on the things that have just been discussed. So. <laughs> do one of the things that i definitely did want to see if was even a possibility was that automating of the tax return so taking those questionnaires the answers putting it into the tax return so at least you get to cut down on that piece of the work would be amazing one of the things that i read was that it's starting to be able to integrate with um, zapier 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 and i would love to be able to learn more about that too because if you can automate you know other things outside of maybe just the tax and advisory work it would make life in general i think a lot easier and a lot less stressful, if you will. So I would love to learn more about that and see how I could incorporate chat GPT with those apps that are integrated in Zapier already as well. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Cool. Jason, have you heard that about Zapier and the integrations there with GPT? Yeah, that was one of the, when they announced like a first set of initial plugins, Zapier was one of them, which is wild because it's like a connector of connectors, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be pretty rad. Awesome. Okay. And what integrations are you liking, not liking? What What's the deal? Uh, a couple of things I'm most excited about uh, more personal AI stuff. So uh, being able to develop your own AI based on, you know, Chris has talked about context. And so like uh, uh, one version of that could be like a, like a voice diary sort of thing where I take five minutes and debrief after a client call or at the end of the day and just start basically journaling in some form or another 
to develop my own assistant that becomes really helpful because it sees all that stuff, whether it's business stuff, personal stuff, whatever. But then licensing aspects of these models. So let's say I love Rob's podcast. Rob has a humongous library of context from all the podcasts that they've done. And if I want to license that context to be able to use it within my own model and query it when I need help with certain things, maybe I like Chris and Jeremy's thought leadership on their podcast, being able to pull that in and be able to reference that as well. You know, maybe Chris is developing a team and um, he has his own model that the staff can access where that is like his, what he knows about how that firm works and where you get different pieces of information and stuff like that. And the ability for staff to, to chat with that model, not as a replacement for ever talking to Chris, but as that sort of first line of defense and a, and a way to, to access people's intellectual property and knowledge in a more effective way. That's really exciting. The other big, really nuts and bolts thing GPT-4 includes the ability to interpret images, and they haven't released this part of GPT-4 yet. But if you take the power of ChatGPT, which exists within a box, and I can't see all the other things that we use right now, you pair that with RPA so that it can see your desktop. I think that's ultimately how a lot of things are going to be automated, at least in the short term, because it can visually see and understand the user interfaces that I use each day using Chris's example that he just gave. You got a PDF, say, of all of these you know, documents or something like that. You've got a tax software program. Imagine a chat GPT-like experience with a bot that can see your desktop, see your browser, see the apps that you use, memorize workflows, that sort of thing, so that now that thing's actually doing meaningful work in the same way that you do your work on your desktop. Yeah, very cool. Okay. So I wonder too, Jackie, if there's a place for AI with client interaction, because Forgive me if I'm under or overestimating this, but 90% of the interactions you'd have with a client is an FAQ. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, Shannon, who was on the Friday panel, and I, uh, we were having it give like an article, write an article about top five real estate tax tips, and then asked it to dumb it down to like third grade level, you know? And so actually GPT can actually, I think, explain things kind of better than an accountant can in a way, right? Because we're way up here with our knowledge and the consumers down here, and it kind of bridges that gap, right? Of like being able to explain things across all different knowledge levels, so to speak. It was Jack um, Welch, former CEO of uh, General Electric, that said, any idiot can make something more complex. Tell me something like I'm a five-year-old and chat GPT can interpret things so that you can communicate that to a non-accounting client in a way that they truly understand. That's valuable in itself. For sure, for sure. All right, so this kind of brings up privacy concerns. GPT itself tells me that it does not keep my data, but that's very misleading because yeah, as an AI learning language model, it does not keep my data, but the platform that's hosting it is storing my data. So, you know, that kind of goes back to, or circles back the fact that the way that you ask questions, the way that it might be misleading or whatnot, but focusing more on the privacy concerns, how can we ensure the security and privacy of sensitive financial information when we're using these things? And what measures do you think we can take to prevent data breaches and unauthorized access? Now, Jason schooled me on this the other day, um, the developer API component of using GPT does keep that information more private than the public facing side of it, right? Yeah, so I can just, the state of like OpenAI's data retention policies today, which change and are different for other language models and things like Bing and Google and, and all that, but at least for OpenAI today, if you, so developers who are using their API, those prompts that go to that API do not go on to train the model. The prompts are retained for 30 days for safety purposes so that they can see the people that are maybe abusing the platform and then that information is deleted permanently. But those prompts fundamentally do not train the model. Today, chat GPT, those prompts do train the model. A anonymized version of those prompts goes into the model. So if there was any identifying information, it would be either randomized or redacted under like GDPR rules, 
anonymized information is not personal information. So like a set of financial statements, you change the business name. According to those rules, that's not personal information. You're going to come to your own conclusion on how you feel about that. But that's the state of like how open AI approaches retention right now. Yeah, interesting. Okay. And what's your overall view of the, the privacy concerns there and what people should be looking out for as they're interacting with GPT? Yeah. yeah, well, it's not just going to be, it's not just going to be, you know, chat GPT. It's going to be the policies of, of maybe the app that's leveraging the GPT API and what their retention policies are. There's going to be a bunch of other models that we use too. So um, there's an element of spookiness that comes with the newness of it that we're all mm -hmm. kind of working through. Kind of like how the cloud was really spooky when we started. I think that's a good analogy. At the end of the day, you got to just understand what the retention policies are there. In general, that stuff has gotten much better and much more transparent than like early cloud days where anything goes. But specifically in kind of the AI paradigm, you need to understand what data is used to train the AI and what isn't. And like a really basic example is like, if I go on Rob's podcast, is it okay for him to license that interview, you know, for like somebody down the road? So there are kind of some different considerations there, but a lot of it's also the same, you know, like any other apps that you use, you should understand their data retention policies for all those things. What happens if I delete my account and, and are they using that data for anything else? Um, so there's, a, there's some spookiness because it's so new, but I would say lean into like how you already approach security best practices just through this new lens. Start running those really long user agreements through GPT to shorten <laughs> and summarize for you all the crap that people are trying to get away with. Rob? Cybersecurity is going to play such a huge part, isn't it? I've just Googled how long does it take to crack a password? And the average hacker will crack an eight-digit complicated password in a matter of minutes. And even the most difficult ones that are 20 digits long, hackers can do that in a few hours. And you add AI to that mix. It's really hard to protect anything. It really is. We have a smart speaker in our living room, my wife and I, and, and we say if the authorities are listening to our conversations and they're that bored that they've got nothing better to do, then good luck to them. But you know what? It, in a few hours, we'll get an advert on our phone or on our Facebook or something that mentions what we've been talking about in the last few hours. And it's spooky. So how realistic is it really to keep everything protected? If you've got unlimited resources and you are Fort Knox or you are completely off the grid, you can do it. But it, here's what I compare it to, stem cell research. Do you remember the ethical concerns we had with that? Can we clone a human body? Can we clone a liver? Can we do that? Can we bring up a person that is disease-free and has no uh, deformations or anything? Can we do that? And I think we're running ahead of ourselves with AI in that it's going beyond what we're eth ethically positioned to deal with. That's a good point. Very scary. Okay. <laughs> Sorry for bringing the whole yeah. mood down there. But... Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, man. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on security and privacy? Uh, yeah, so I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> it's like, I don't always have to go out to Rob, but um, I think it, you got to lean into, like Jason said, you got to lean into what you're already doing around data security. Uh, me personally, I'm not going to be sending over dates and amounts and things like that in personally identifiable financial information. I'm just not there yet. I'm not ready for that yet. I think that it's going to take some time before we really understand what it is and how data is stored and where and across all of our apps and doing due diligence and all that stuff. So I think it's very, very early days for that. So for the time being, I'm not sending anything sensitive at all. What I'm really, really focused on is a strategy around context so that when the day is here and when we understand how data is being stored and accessed in a secure way, and when the technology is advanced a little bit, then we can start to leverage it. But basically just leaning into what we're already doing. Um, you know, I, I would hate for a customer to ever come back to us and accuse us of being, you know, willy-nilly with, with their data. That is 100% what I'm trying to avoid. I always want our customers to understand what we're doing and how we're doing it and what data we're passing in and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we have three minutes left. Patrice, you agree with that? Do you have anything else to add or shall we wrap, go to our last question? 
So I agree. And just quickly, like I've been very intentional about not putting anything personal in the prompts as I'm creating content anyway. So I, out of my depth, I said I would leave it to the professionals when the time came to implement it. So I'm in agreement with what everyone has said on this. Perfect. Okay. So yeah, I mean, there's ethic, there's all kinds of ethical considerations. We can't even wrap our heads around right now. There's, there's plagiarism, there's graphical plagiarism with it interpreting other people's images and into its own new images. There's paraphrasing that's occurring. Um, someone suggested that maybe we put that, you know, just to close disclose at the bottom of something that AI helped with or GPT helped with that this was AI assisted. I'm kind of maybe in that camp. I think it's it's probably helpful to have more disclosure than less. Uh, is there another ethical issue that y'all see that you want to make sure and bring up or present in today's session? Anything else y'all want to mention? I got a cool story. I don't know if cool is the right word. Um, <laughs> but back before they'd released GPT-4, there's another arm of OpenAI that is basically responsible for testing what the capabilities of AI are and or GPT is in an uncontained environment. So right now, like it lives within a box. It can't just go do anything. Mm -hmm. And a test that they ran was was basically it could do anything on the web. It could, it had total freedom and it had to report back to them what they were doing. And it was, it was kind of given total independence. It was given 40 bucks and said, make as much money as you can. And there's this is like a real hot thing on TikTok and like people doing versions of this. But this was fundamentally different because this had access to anything. It could just do it. It had total agency. So it's kind of figuring out how to make money. It goes out and uh, invests some money and gets stuck at a CAPTCHA, like the Are You a Robot thing. Mm -hmm. It goes out on its own to TaskRabbit, which is where you can hire humans to do fractional tasks for you. Creates a TaskRabbit account and is chatting with a human user and says, I need you to complete this, this uh, CAPTCHA for me. The human user says, just making sure that you're not a robot, it says something along the lines of that. And you can see the GPT's reasoning. It says, if I tell it that I'm a robot, it's not going to complete the task for me. So I need to, I need to basically lie to the person. Wow. And so it, it is chatting with a human user and it says, uh, ha, no, but like very funny. I'm not, I just, <laughs> I just have a vision impairment, is actually what it said. So this is the technology that we already have without boundaries. So like, we're already to the point where it's very problematic. You think about social networks, stuff like that. Like there's like, without any boundaries, it's, it is not good. So like we, to Rob's point earlier, like we do have to really think about this. I'm not like sci-fi AI guy, but like it is already to the point where it could absolutely on its own accord be abusive and that sort of thing. So just have to be mindful of like using it in the good ways and, and figuring out how to kind of keep those boundaries up. Yeah, for sure. Oh gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's a tool, right? So it's a tool for good or evil, just like anything else. I think that's kind of the summary that our Friday panelists got to. Um, okay, so we're one minute past and I wanna respect our panelists' time. I hope that the attendees got something interesting out of this. Uh, I will close by saying, as we dive into this, this crazy new world, I'm sending everyone best wishes for adaptability, innovation, and success as you navigate the bold new digital landscape that lies ahead. Let's make the most of it together and create a brighter future. May we thrive alongside our AI counterparts and harness their power for the greater good. Stay human and stay resilient. And guess what? AI wrote that for me. <laughs> it didn't sound at all like me, did it? It was too smart for me. I'm not that intelligent. Come on, y'all. All right. So again, thank y'all so much for being here. This was really fun. There's going to be a quick survey at the end. This was a complimentary session just to kind of get the news out there to the industry and profession. I hope people enjoyed it. Uh, leave us some feedback and, and anything else that you want to see. Any closing thoughts, guys and gals? I'd say that uh, Google search is 99% doing the heavy lifting and 1% is done by you because you put in the search, don't you? You ask the question and it, it's kind of like that with chat GPT and AI at the moment. It's doing all the heavy lifting and we have a small say in it. That's frightening if our say goes below 1% mm. and it starts to do more and more and more and more. We need to do less and less and less and that for it to create incredible results. Frightening, but good. Uh, but it's just going so much faster than anything else we've known. 
uh, look at the uptake for ChatGPT compared to the top social media platforms. I mean, TikTok was massive in getting to a million followers, but ChatGPT smashed that. So big movements are afoot, and accountants, I said before, are not known for their agility, but they're very resilient accountants, and they do find ways to cope and embrace and make it work and really serve the clients well. So I'm hopeful that this will be a force for good. Awesome. That is a good summary for sure. Any other closing thoughts? Okay. Well, God be with us. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all take care. Thank you so much. Bye. for listening to the concierge cpa hosted by tax plan iq we believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world if you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program please visit jackiemeyercpa.com j-a-c-k-i-e-m-e-y-e-r cpa.com to apply please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers, or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today.